going on, everybody? This is Eric Elliott back with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. I know last week we were had a week off of content and things like that. We didn't really get anything out to you guys, and I apologize for that. But we have another awesome guest this week. We have on Carlene Matthews. Uh, Carlene is a CrossFit Games athlete. She is. She's been to the games a number of times. Um, <clears throat> this year, as you will hear from us, we uh, she did finish on the podium at her first ever Masters uh, Games performance. So you'll hear her talk a little bit about that, about that, and also comparing what Masters competition was like in comparison to. Uh, her time at the CrossFit Games years ago. You'll also talk, hear her talk about her interesting story and how she got into fitness after spending years in uh, substance abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, um, and partying and whatnot before she found fitness and how she handles and goes through that obsession with fitness as well because we talk a little bit about the addiction to fitness that she has now and how she kind of navigates that into the career she's in right now. Lastly, I think this is one of the most important parts. We talk a little bit about the program she has on at CrossFit St. Helens um, and uh, like helping people with addiction. And I think that's something that's really, really cool. Um, it, it is a program that is offered in other gyms, but not something that you know, I've been a part of or have seen in, in areas even where I've been uh, working within CrossFit Gym. So I think it's really cool. It's a good initiative uh, to help people out. I always like when, um, you know, gyms in general are doing more than just providing fitness. Obviously, you know, CrossFit St. Helens is providing fitness to people like addicts to make a difference. But it really isn't the fitness that those people are getting that's making the massive difference. It's more of just the, the safe haven in the community aspect that's going to provide them a lifetime of change um, to hopefully stay out of what they were doing before. Um, If you guys like this episode, please, I really would appreciate it. It helps grow the podcast if you would leave a rating and review. Uh, Really does help, guys. And then also, if you are interested in some help yourself, if you're looking for uh, the kind of the next step for yourself, uh, reach out to me. Reach out to me and ask some questions um, and ask uh, how and, and find out how we can help you, how we can get the best results you've had because there's nothing more frustrating than spending hundreds upon hundreds of dollars in hours and hours and hours at the gym and one, not knowing what you're doing and two, not getting the results that you're paying for, right? So I don't believe anyone should be in that position and it, it's it's hard to get through that point but I think it's something that um, I can specialize in and I can really help people out with so definitely reach out to me and there's something we can do to work together but for now guys enjoy this week's episode with Carleen Matthews and we're back guys with another uh, episode this week this week we have on a very awesome guest uh, Carleen Matthews Carleen um, is potentially known I guess most for uh, being a four times games athlete uh, this year she joined the Masters uh, crew of the world, uh, the first Masters category, um, and came off a podium finish, and she finished second uh, in the 35 to 39 category for the Masters, which is really awesome to see um, and super inspiring based on, you know, just where she's she's been personally, um, physically, and, and, and where she's been in the sport. So thanks so much for coming on, uh, Carlene. And uh, yeah. I guess to start off with, can you kind of, Give me a little bit of a Coles notes about how you got to where you are today. Cause I know you were, you grew up. Um, I think I, I remember correctly that you grew up into athletics into, I believe softball pretty competitively. So how did you get, I guess, to where you kind of are today? Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I, uh, I did, I grew up playing athletics my whole life. Um, I played, uh, soccer and softball in high school. And then, um, I went to play, uh, softball in college and, um, I spent five years playing, uh, softball in college. Um, and because of a medical red shirt and, uh, after college, I kind of like, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't, um, to be completely honest, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know, um, what I was supposed to do outside of softball because that's really like why I went to college. And that was like my incentive of going to college is like, well, I'm just going to go to play softball. Um, 
I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't, I didn't really have like a, a passion outside of like athletics. Um, and, but I, I did find that I wanted to work with people and I wanted to help people. Um, I felt like I had been, um, helped in terms of like, you know, growing up, I did like, I always was doing, I was always in and out of like therapy and, um, stuff like that. And my, my older sister actually, um, is a, has her LCSW. So she's a like licensed clinical social worker and did, um, a lot of therapy type, um, stuff in, um, in college and worked in that field. And so I saw that and I, I kind of like, I knew that I wanted to do something with that. Um, and so I, I, uh, after I finished college, I started working at a treatment center for drug and alcohol addicted teens and just kind of like struggled through life. Um, I was working at that treatment center and um, I was still like drinking and, um, kind of began at, at that point, I kind of began like my, um, struggle with food. Um, so I, uh, was, I guess I was really just seeking, um, attention, seeking, uh, belonging and, um, and I found that when I lost weight and the way I looked gave me the attention or the, um, allowed me to fit in, um, allowed me to, uh, or what I thought, um, kind of like made me who I was. Like it, it allowed me to have like an identity. Um, and, uh, I, I think that it, through that time, I really battled with like, I can identify with being, um, athletic or being fit. Um, but I was doing it not necessarily by like with CrossFit or like, um, actual fitness. It was more of just like with food. So like if I looked fit, then that means I can identify with people who are fit. Um, and I mean, to be honest, like, I don't really know where that came from. I don't know where that like desire to, um, identify with that came from. Um, but I know that like out of college, like I really like, I, I was, I've been competitive my whole life. And so I was really just looking for, um, something to latch on to, um, outside of softball. Um, so I, uh, I worked at a treatment center. I, um, had an eating disorder. Um, it got like worse. And, um, I finally decided that I <clears throat> was ready to get some help for that eating disorder. And, um, and so I, I took some, uh, like some time off from the treatment center and, um, and I went into my own treatment. Um, so it was kind of, it was cool, but it was kind of interesting that, you know, like I, I let them know that I was going into treatment for an eating disorder and, um, you know, they gave me the time off and let me come back when I was ready to come back. And, um, and so I, uh, when I went into a treatment, for the eating disorder, I, um, I did well. I worked through a lot of different things. Um, but my drinking got really bad. Um, so that's kind of for me when, um, I just really just swapped one addiction for the other. And, um, and I just started drinking and drinking wasn't really enough. And I wanted to stay up late and I wanted to party. And so I started like dabbling in drugs and, um, and, you know, through like, through my eating disorder treatment, like my, a lot of people, you know, in that treatment center were like, you know, the way you drink is not like, 
this is not normal. Um, and I just kind of like shrugged it off. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, I was, I'm like pretty bullheaded and, um, I wasn't ready to change at that point. Um, so I graduated the treatment center and then just kept, uh, or the eating disorder treatment. And I just kept drinking. Um, and finally about, it was like four months later, um, that I realized that, um, that maybe my drinking was a problem and that maybe I should slow down. Um, and so I decided to stop drinking for 30 days. Um, and with that, uh, came 30 more days and 30 more days. And I started to realize that, um, that I was, that I liked the person that I was when I wasn't drinking and that I was a different person when I was drinking. Um, and, and yeah, and I haven't drank since. Um, I had no intention of, uh, ever, not drinking for the rest of my life, um, when I stopped, but, um, that is kind of, you know, it was kind of my story is that I, you know, chose to not drink for 30 days and 30 days became now almost nine years. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, I, I don't really, I can't imagine my life today. Like if I was still drinking, like it, it would not even be anywhere close to, you know, what, what I've accomplished. Um, but with that, um, I was maybe like two months sober and I found CrossFit and, um, I was like, uh, like I had said, like I'd always been an athlete. So I was really looking for something to to make me feel like an athlete. Um, and CrossFit kind of gave me that. And so I started CrossFit. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing when I was started. I, um, I just thought it was kind of like a boot camp, <laughs> And, um, and I really like the person I was working with was like, Hey, you can come in every day of the week if you want. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to come every day. I'm going to come out every day. And, uh, and that really never changed for me. So like, I've just been, I haven't stopped since. Um, I fell in love with it and I fell in love with being able to like, uh, challenge myself and, the cool thing about CrossFit for me was that I walked into those doors and nobody asked me about my past. Nobody asked me, um, about who I was outside of those doors of CrossFit. Um, they just like accepted me for who I was and accepted me that like, I, they, they just wanted me to come in and give like what I had on that day. And that was that, like, it wasn't, I didn't have to be someone I wasn't. Um, and so that was kind of, that was really, I think what like helped me latch on to CrossFit and, um, separated CrossFit outside of, away from like the Globo gym that I had been spending so much time in. And like, um, you know, because I think that at like that, like at Globo gym and stuff like that, like I felt like I had to be a certain person, like I had to be somebody that I wasn't. And I was trying to look like all the other girls or do the things that other people do. And, um, once I found CrossFit, like I realized that I didn't have to do that. Um, and so that was really cool for me. Um, so yeah, so now I've been doing CrossFit for, um, nine years and, um, it's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of things within that story that I'd, I'd love to unpack and go into different uh, realms. The first one being kind of, you mentioned you started out with uh, a bit of an eating disordered past. My first kind mm -hmm. of question with that was um, how did that manifest itself in terms of like, how did you know? And like, when did you know that it was time to get help? 
Um, and when was that? Like, where, what laid the roots of that? If you've if you've ever been able to unpack that for yourself? Yeah, um, uh, eating disorders like run my family. Um, so uh, it's it's something that it's the learned behavior um, Mm -hmm. that I had learned from my family, um, my mom and my sisters, and, um, we were very competitive. And so everything, you know, around, um, growing up was always like, you look really good. You look, um, you know, I'm so proud of you because you look so thin. Um, so growing up, that was always the message. Um, and then with that, uh, for me, I was, you know, in college, I was seeing a therapist who happened to be, who happened to work with, um, people with eating disorders. Um, I wasn't there for my eating disorder necessarily. Um, but I happened, you know, I mean, I, I guess that would be like my, like, um, you know, uh, fate kind of thing is that like the woman that I happened to be meeting with just for, you know, just therapy, um, happened to have also like a, a background in eating disorders. And so she started chatting with me about like, eh, I think that you might need to, um, look at this issue a little bit more. And so, um, that was kind of what made me like finally decide. And then, um, I, I did had some like medical stuff that, um, I don't really know if it was related to the eating disorder or not, but my family sure thought it was. Um, so, uh, you know, like having to go to the hospital or like for, um, like, you know, severe stomach pain or something like, you know, my family was like beginning to tell me that they were concerned, um, about my health. Um, and so that kind of, for me was, um, started, started me starting to think about, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, and then, uh, as my, you know, as my eating disorder progressed, my drinking, like I said, continued to progress. And so I would, um, I would kind of get myself in like a little bit of trouble for drinking and, um, and I would start accepting that like, it wasn't my drinking that was the problem. It was the eating disorder. Um, and so I, I mean, I can remember one weekend I had gone out and I went out with friends and I, I was drinking and I lost my ID and I lost my keys and I lost my wallet and my mom had to come pick me up. And I'm like, you know, 23 and my mom's having to come pick me up. And, um, you know, like that, at that moment, I was like, it's not my drinking. That's the problem. It's, I have an eating disorder. Um, and which, uh, was, they were both the problem, but I was finally willing to like admit that the eating disorder was an issue and I was ready to work on that, but I wasn't willing to give up the drinking. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really interesting kind of story and how that, how that works out. One of the things I find interesting is like, is, is people not really like the, the classification of an eating disorder, for example, like if people look at it as such a, as such a hard line that like, you know, if you, you have to go to a, a an actual clinician or a, a counselor to, to be diagnosed with an eating disorder, but like you can have a lot of, there's varying degrees of an eating disorder, right? Like in terms of just having a bad relationship with food and using food in the wrong ways for sure that I'm sure you you notice now as a as a coach right so it was it's interesting to see how that worked out um one of the things that the narratives if you will that get that kind of gets put into people's uh, minds when it comes to addiction and things like that is that usually one addiction gets replaced with another addiction right and that as I think you mentioned earlier kind of happened with you right when it comes to alcohol um it seems like the eating disorder kind of came first but then alcohol came after same kind of thing how did you know when alcohol was not just like something you did as you know an 18 as a college kid right every pretty much everyone who's in college at some point is is experimenting with a little bit more alcohol and things like that how did you know that was an actual addiction and it wasn't just like something you did on a friday and a saturday night 
Yeah. Um, I, uh, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, and so I knew that, um, that addiction was going to be, um, a potential for me. Um, so kind of growing up, I knew that. Um, and then I think that like, you know, really like working at that treatment center, um, with teenagers and going to meetings with them and, you know, participating in, in stuff to help them was really like, for me, like made me so much more aware. Like I was Mm -hmm. able, you know, I would just be going, taking them to these meetings, but I'd be sitting in these, you know, NA and AA meetings with them. And I'd be like, Oh shit. Like (laughs) this is me like, Oh, okay. You know? And, um, and so with that, like, you know, I, I never, it, when I stopped drinking, it wasn't because I was going to ready to say I'm an alcoholic. I stopped drinking just because I wanted to show, um, myself that I could not drink for 30 days and that, um, that it, I basically like wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't the drinking that was the problem. It was me. And, um, I found out that it was both, um, it was me and the drinking. Um, so, I mean, I think that it, it took me still a long time to finally say like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and, um, I will, you know, I become a completely different person when I'm drinking and, um, and I don't like that person that I become and I don't, I don't want to be that person. Um, and so that for me, you know, it was, I, I don't know, it was probably three months, four months maybe into being sober that I was finally able to like admit that I had a problem. Yeah, I think that's like, and obviously everyone says that's the first step um, right. <laughs> to, to moving on from there. Um, in terms of like how that looks like in your timeline of, you know, CrossFit fitness life in general, um, from there, was it like, was, you mentioned that you had kind of an unconventional approach to sobriety that you have today. Like, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they say in some movies where, you know, you walk downstairs one in the morning, you pour every ounce of alcohol you have in your house in the drain, and then you try this sobriety thing. Was, was there an attempt at something like that? And then suddenly you just became sober or how did you, I guess, fight that battle back and forth if there was one? Yeah. Um, I did have like a kind of like, um, I guess unconventional like way of, um, getting sober. I mean, I, uh, I had accountability, like I didn't go to meetings. Um, I had accountability through, um, a therapist I was seeing. So I was again in therapy. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I walked in there and I just said, like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, and I was, I was very hungover. I walked in there very hungover and, um, and, and I finally, like, that was the kind of, for me, like that point of, um, being like, I'm not going to do this for 30 days. Like, I'm just, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prove that I, I can, not do this for 30 days and, um, and we'll just see like what happens. Um, and so for, for me, like with her, we did this little like accountability thing. So like I would go in and see her once a week. And every time I would go in, um, if I had gone the whole week without drinking, then I would put little stickers into, in, in a book that I was like making. And so, um, she would give me little star stickers, like a three-year-old or third grader, you know? Um, but that worked for me. Um, and I showed up and I wanted to get my stickers and I didn't want to have to say like, no, I drank. Um, so I kept going and I kept getting these stickers and we did that for probably like the first nine months that I was sober. Um, I went in and got freaking silly stickers, um, but it worked. Um, and, and I think that, you know, for me, like I I would go to meetings, um, but 
I was getting more out of this like one-on-one like accountability um, that that I had created for myself than um, really like what I was getting from meetings. Um, it was cool for me to go and I always felt better. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that, that is my, like the difference of, um, you know, a lot of people like they, you know, have to do that, um, go to, you know, meetings every day and stuff. And that just for me is I found accountability elsewhere and that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think that you're you're totally right about that, and and it just shows that there's there's so many more ways to sobriety than just one path. Like there's no there's no cookie cutter format in the same way there's no cookie cutter format for literally anything else you do in life too. Right. Um, but there's, there's so many people that that kind of think that they're you know you just go through the twelve steps and you go you go to AA that's what you do. Um, but there's there's other aspects and there's other programs available which we'll kind of dig into in a little bit as well. Um, so one of the things I, I had a question about, and you kind of mentioned it, that your CrossFit anniversary in terms of when you started almost lines up with your anniversary for when you first became sober. My thought was, was how bad CrossFit would suck if you we were also kind of hung over. So did that play into it? Cause I feel like, I, I mean, anytime I have a couple of drinks the night before or on the weekend and not that I'm a big drinker, but you can tell, you can tell in your inflammation in the, on a Monday morning workout how bad it feels. So did that play into it or yeah, take me through that. Yeah. I I mean, I don't think that it really played into it. Like I got sober in October and I started CrossFit in, um, December. Um, so like, you know, I, I don't know, like, I don't know that it really played a role. Like I definitely was like, a, a, you know, like, I was pretty functional when I would drink. Um, so I would always make sure to get in my workout in the morning before I went out and drank. And like, if I know if I'm, I'm going to go, you know, go out, then, uh, then I got to get my workout in before I go out. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know that that really ever like played a huge like role for me in, in terms of, um, like CrossFit and staying sober. Like, it was more like personal for me. Gotcha. So again, carrying kind of forward that, that theme of like changing one addiction to another, um, you got really good at CrossFit really fast. It seems like anyways, I mean, like you were on to the regional scene in 2012 and I, and you would have, I guess, been sober in 2010. If I think that's correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two years, I guess maybe at that time might not have been super fast, but you know, you, you did, make it to regionals and you made it to regionals, I believe like six or seven times. Like, yeah. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of career there. How did you, how did you, I guess, progress in those first couple of years of, of CrossFit and did you um, take that into kind of a, your addictive personality takeover within CrossFit as well? Yeah. I mean, it's something I still struggle with today. I mean, it's, and that I'll just be completely honest about that. It's, um, it, you know, my, when I first started CrossFit, um, as a conversation that my sister and I had, and she said, you're just substituting one addiction for the other. And I said, you're right. I am. And, um, and I was okay with that, um, because it was much healthier addiction for me. Um, at that time, that was when I first started CrossFit. Um, and, And I think that, you know, just like anything, like I'm an addict, like I, anything that I can really like get myself and like throw myself into wholeheartedly, like I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to go at it 100%. Um, So whether that's an eating disorder or it's drinking or it's CrossFit, um, you know, it, like I said, it's something that I still struggle with today. Like it, I struggle with, um, you know, kind of like taking myself away from the competitive scene. Um, last year, like the, the goal was to decrease training volume and, um, and to not compete. And I just got back from the games taking second, like, um, 
I, I definitely changed up the way I was training. Um, but can I say that I, you know, um, really like gave a hundred percent to not competing? No. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't really in the plans for me, but once it started, like once it got sparked, then it was kind of like, then it was on. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I literally like had a conversation with my husband, like a couple days ago, like, gosh, I like, I, I want to work out, but I know that I like probably shouldn't. Um, and I know that I'm probably doing too much right now than I need to do, but like, I don't really know what to do because I've just trained my ass off for the past eight years. Like, I don't know what is just a normal amount of like of working out like a normal person. Um, and, and I find myself like, I, you know, I want to work out, but I don't want to work out. And then I'm like telling him this, I'm like, I want to work out, but I don't want to work out. And then I tell him and I, and I'm like, you know, debating things back and forth. And I go, well, I'm going to work out. So, (laughs) um, you know, so it's like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's something I still struggle with and it's, um, it's, it's like, like food. Um, that it's, I, I don't really want to like cold turkey it and just like stop completely like drinking. I can just stop. I just don't have to do it. Um, but I want to be, I want to be active. I want to be healthy. Um, I have to like eat and I have to like be active. Um, and, and really like working out makes me happy. Um, I enjoy it, but I, I need to find a balance of, of what is that enjoyment again. Um, and for me, like, you know, working out by myself all day is not enjoyment anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I, I need to be in classes. I need to be like working out with someone else. Um, so that I can, so that I can like kind of get back to where I enjoy it. And it's not just like, Oh, I have to just, I have to do this today because I have to work out today. So how do you, how did you find over the years, how did you find um, that you knew comp, the, the competitive side of, of where you were taking CrossFit um, was too much, right? Cause I mean, to, to be really great at something, um, to be world-class at something, eventually, you know, it does kind of almost have to be unbalanced, right? Like, if we talk about where you where you were, like you you went from 18th in your region to ninth to fourth, and then finally when you qualified, it was second, two firsts in a row, right? Um, and then your last sixth place uh, was in 2018. I guess the rest in peace last regional. Um, yeah. In your, in your first games was in 2015, right? Where same kind of thing. Um, you went and you you increased year over year until until 2017 when you took 38th, but. Um, I guess that's beside the point, but like, how do you, how do you uh, uh, juggle that as a competitive athlete, um, over those years and know, like, what were the signs that you potentially were overdoing things? Were relationships suffering? Were you, were you like, was your hormones completely out of whack? How do we know that? Yeah. Um, so I think that, uh, for me, um, you know, I was really like, I was ready to, uh, well, I guess the biggest thing is that, um, I would say it, that's exactly true in terms of the, like when you want to be the best at something, absolutely. It's an addiction. It's, um, unhealthy. It's, um, at least for me, like with CrossFit, like, uh, pursuing the games is not, is not the is not health. You know, um, I appeared to be very healthy. I appeared, um, to, to be, you know, like the fittest I've ever been. Um, but 
my body was not. And so, yeah, it has to be an obsession. Like my life was revolved around CrossFit and, um, and it had to be, and I had to put in the volume, um, to be at that level. Um, so I don't take, you know, like, I don't wish I did it any other way. Had somebody told me, um, you know, when I was training to, to go to the games, if somebody had said like, Hey, you know, like, it's probably not very, like, it's probably not very healthy to not have a period. Um, I would have been like, fuck that. It's great. It's great. This is great. Like so convenient. (laughs) I'm like, man, I like, I would, I'm like a, I have natural testosterone. Like I, this is amazing. And, um, and, and to be honest, that is exactly what I said. My doctor was like, you know, if you want to start having kids, you're probably going to have to like put some body fat on. And I was like, okay, cool. Good. Like when I want, great. When I want to have kids, then that I'll do that. But until then I'm going to continue to live this life. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, I decided to kind of step away from competing and, um, I, I felt like kind of just like burnt out, like the 2017 at regionals. Um, I didn't know, you know, like leading up to that regionals, I didn't know if, uh, if I even, I was just, I was burnt out. Like I was tired of training. I didn't want to. Um, and, uh, I went into that regionals just saying like, I'm just going to give it the best I can, everything I have. And if it's not good enough, I can accept that it's not good enough. Um, and so, so after that year, um, my husband and I decided that, well, he had already been ready, but I had decided that, um, I was ready to start talking about, um, starting a family. And, um, and so at that point I, you know, was like, well, I should probably get a period back first. Um, and so then like all the doctor's visits and, um, you know, consulting with my nutrition coach and stuff like they're like, okay, you need to tone down your training. Your training is too intense and, um, you need to put on some body fat. Um, and so that was a really hard time for me. Um, and that was really what started this past, like last year, of me deciding to tone down training. Um, so I decreased my volume, decreased intensity and put on some weight. And, um, you know, for me, like, uh, it was a realization that, um, that you can, you know, I I had kind of taken it to the extreme. And so I had now made myself like super fit and going into the unfit or unhealthy. So super fit, but going into the unhealthy spectrum of it. And, um, and so now, you know, it's been a year and a half and we're still, we're still fucking dealing with it. Um, and, but with all that being said, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Um, it's, it's real. it's, it's hard. Like, it's hard to say, you know, like, oh, if I knew it would be this hard to, you know, start a family, would I have stopped, you know, pursuing the CrossFit games? And, and I, I don't think I can really say that because for me, like I, I wanted to get all of my, um, the things that I wanted to do out of the way before, um, I was able to start a family. I didn't think I would be able to, um, wholeheartedly, uh, like want to start a family if I still had things that I felt like I could do. Yeah. And, and, and fully devote your time to being a mother when you are, when you eventually became a mother rather Mm -hmm. than than going kind of back and forth as as a competitor. Right. Um, one of the things that I think you, you kind of touched on um, was the idea of that like triangle awareness that I know you, I think you used to work with Jason Phillips. I don't yeah. know if you still work with him, but 
um, was the idea that like you you know you have to at the top levels of each one of those triangles you have to sacrifice the other two objects right you have to yep. sacrifice health and you have to sacrifice aesthetics if you're looking for performance right and that's yeah that's an interesting decision process that you have to go through that I think so many people still struggle with when it comes to athletics but also on the aesthetics realm and also on the health realm um, because they think that you know competition is not healthy <laughs> like no matter what yeah. way no matter whether you're looking at it from a performance perspective or on if you're trying to get on stage uh, for bodybuilding when it comes to you know this aspect of things it's obviously it's an education process that's been years in the making for you um did this year at the games feel less draining than it had in the past were you more educated on you know not going there as much in training or did you still go as hard as you normally would have in games training this year no um like my games training uh this past year was uh a lot different um I think like leading up to like once I got a little bit closer to the games, um, I started to like kind of go back into like previous um, training, but at the same time, like my training volume was down. Like even, you know, I even noticed it like at the games, I was like, man, I'm more sore than like I, than I have been in the past. Um, and, and I could feel like I didn't feel quite, uh, as fit as I had before, but you know, all the, the training that I had done the past, you know, eight years leading up to the games was really like what carried me through. And like, it, it's the work that I put in before this past year mm -hmm. that was, that made me successful this year. Like, um, and so, so for me, like the mentality around the games definitely changed. Like I was going in with just the mentality of like, I'm just going to go and do the best I can. And like, I didn't have expectations for myself. And so I think that helped the training. So I didn't have this expectation of like, I have to go out and I'm going to be on TV and I have to perform, um, you know, top 20, whatever. Um, I didn't have those expectations. And so I just kind of like did what I wanted to do in training and what I felt like I needed to do and then moved on and, um, and it, and it worked for me. And so it was a lot less volume, um, than I was used to in previous games years. Um, but masters also was like a lot less volume. Um, they like, they do a good job. The games do a good job of taking care of the masters in terms of not like destroying us, except for the ruck. The ruck <laughs> was a little much. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think they do a good job of like, we had eight scored events, you know, like we all, we were walking to our final event and we were all like, yeah, we're not sore at all. Like we feel like we could go do another workout. We had one technically we had one event on Sunday. It was three in a row, but it was like, we were done at like 12, you know, like it was, it was a really cool experience. Um, and it was definitely like a lot less, less stress. Um, and I, and so that was really nice. Do you think that that, that less stress and the less volume and therefore obviously just, you know, less impact on you, does that allow you to, um, to chase both the, that competitive style still, still stay in the competitive ring within the master's category with, while well, also, you know, the idea of becoming a mom and, and starting that, does that allow you to st to do that being that it probably doesn't have quite the same impact that, you know, an individual training season had four yeah. or five years ago? Yeah. I mean, I think it does. Um, I think that it does allow for, uh, you know, potential for that. I don't, I don't really know what that looks like. Um, mm -hmm. but because I know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, 
master's athletes who, you know, have kids and even in that 35 to 39 group. Um, but there also are also a handful that are, it's their full-time job to train. And so, you know, I, I think that that age group will, um, get harder each year. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think when, when CrossFit, I think that was, I don't know if it was two years ago or last year, uh, when they first announced the 35 to 39 category, it was like, you know, you call them masters and I guess they're rightly or wrongly, there's been that stigma associated with masters category that they're not as fit as the individuals. Um, like I said, that, that could be either right or wrong. But when you look at the people that are on the men's side and the women's side for that category, they're, they're no joke. There's some big yeah. names in there. Like even on the men's side, you got Nikki Rankar on your side, like you got yourself. Um, and then Anna Tobias, who won this year and last year, and then Becca Voigt, who just finished behind you, right? So yeah, what was it like to compete with some of those ladies that you did compete with when you were on the individual side of things? And, and also, like, what was your biggest takeaway um, from that weekend as, as a master's athlete compared to when you're a games athlete? Like, did you miss it? Um, it was real. So both questions. So it was really cool and really fun to, like, um, compete alongside, um, Becca and Anna and just like the masters is feels so much more intimate. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to like get to know them more and which was really cool. Like I, um, you know, I felt like I had, a you know, much more of like a friendship with those athletes, um, than I have in years past. Um, and then I would say like my biggest takeaway from the weekend was um I just think that like for me not having the expectations um of of performing a certain way or you know it was actually really nice to not have like all the um, media on us it sucks because like we don't get we, I don't have any any photos or anything and like my family and like my gym here didn't get to see anything mm -hmm. um but, you know, like, it's nice to ha not have that pressure. And, like, did I miss it, individuals? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> I am 100% over competing as an uh, individual at the games. Like, I don't ever want to compete as an individual again. Um, that is just not, like, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, Masters was fun. Like it was less volume, less stress. We didn't have to deal with like the guessing game of, you know, of Castro and, you know, and that was, that was nice. That was like, we, we just got to work out like, good. You get to like, here's your workouts. You're going to go work out with your friends. And that's what I love to do. And so for me, taking that like stress away from it and, um, that like, pressure away from it it made it so much more fun yeah and no, i think that's a really interesting kind of way of looking at it because you're right like the individual's competition is so much more of the spectacle where it feels like the masters from you the way you talk about it is is almost kind of like a nice a really fun weekend comp just on a bigger stage um yeah. which seems really cool kind of to switch gears a little bit we talked before you came on that crossfit st helens the the gym that you and your husband co-own um runs a really cool program in terms of what it does for addiction for former addicts who are trying to find their way um, into like sobriety. Um, and I mentioned earlier, there's just a ton of different ways that you can go about sobriety. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that program and how, where was this Genesis? Like, did you just like sit on the couch thinking one day like this might work or how did you come up with it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we offer, um, free CrossFit to anyone who has at least 48 hours clean and sober, um, four days a week. Um, and, uh, you know, we're trying to grow our program also here. So I'm trying to, you know, like get some of the, um, you know, the, the athletes that we have here, um, getting them involved more in the program and, um, and also like reaching out to the, uh, recovery community, um, 
you know, CrossFit's cool because like a lot of word of mouth is really like what works. And like with the recovery program, it's the same way. Um, so like more people are coming and like more people are asking about it and we're getting more and more people. Um, so our program is like really growing right now. Um, but it all started with like, I got the idea from, um, from the Phoenix. So, um, Phoenix multi-sport, they, uh, offer this, offer programs to, for people in recovery, um, the same, same kind of programs that we offer here. Um, only they are doing it nationwide. So there's, um, programs all over, um, right now that, um, work with the Phoenix and, um, are a part of their program. And, and I found out about them and, uh, reached out to their, like, uh, the guy that started it, Scott Strode, and, um, just asked him how I could be more involved in their program and, um, how, how I could use like my name, um, and my, uh, platform that I've built with CrossFit to help them and help this program. Um, so that's kind of, I started learning more about their program and, um, came back to our gym and we had a couple members who work for the mental health department here. And they were like, you know, I think that we could get a grant to do, um, to do this here. And, um, and so we just went with it. Um, it started out as one day a week, um, and we added classes and, you know, we got interest and, um, people wanted, wanted it more. And I had a really hard time saying like, sorry, only one day a week. Um, so I opened it up to, um, four days a week and, uh, and so now we have between, uh, we have between probably eight and 15, um, athletes usually at a time. Um, we work really closely with one of the treatment centers here. Um, and we're starting to work um, with some other treatment centers. Um, but they like bring basically the treatment center, the one treatment center that we work with, they bring their, uh, clients and, um, it's part of their treatment. And so, uh, they are getting, um, basically like fitness and CrossFit as part of their, um, treatment program. And then, um, they can continue to come here after they leave treatment or they can, um, if they go, if they're like not from, if they're not local, um, I usually try and reach out to somewhere that's local for them or put them in contact with other gyms that offer the same program. Um, so yeah, I mean, there aren't a lot of programs like this, but they're at the same time, they're like they're coming there. Um, more and more people are reaching out, asking how they can get involved, um, and, uh, how they can start programs like this. I mean, like on a, on a regular basis, I'm getting messages from people asking how they can start a program like this, um, at their gym. Um, and so that, you know, my goal is just to continue to, um, get these programs out there because really it's, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot to start a program like this. Um, it really just requires like a coach willing to give their hour and then the gym willing to give an hour to let the coach, um, open it up to people who, um, want to come in. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a crazy awesome and almost unique program. Um, when it comes to those, you know, those people that reach out to you, just in the way that things, you know, work when, when it comes to how you start something, most people want to see that like it created an impact in, in the program is running and, and worked successfully the way that we wanted or you wanted to implement it. What are some of the, the success stories, if you will, um, that you've seen in however long you've been running the program that you're like, that every time someone reaches out, you're like, you have to do this because this is how I saw it impact this person's life. Yeah. Um, I think that we're still working on like the impact because we're really trying right now. I'm really trying to focus on like sustainability. So like keeping them around, like that's the biggest thing is 
um, for us is once they leave treatment, how do we keep them involved in this? This is helping them so much through these 90 days that they're in treatment. And now how do we keep them involved? Um, so like success stories for us, like we have an athlete that's been with us for almost two years. So since we first started, um, which is amazing. Um, we have now like more are the, the group that we have right now is, um, doing a, um, they're planning a like recovery camp out. So a recovery CrossFit camp out for next summer. And so they've like designed, they've like created a, co- a committee and, um, they're having weekly meeting or monthly meetings. Um, they're doing fundraisers to, uh, have this like camp out that people are going to be able to come for free and we're going to do CrossFit and we're going to do yoga and we're going to talk about, um, like food and just like fellowship, really like community. Um, and so I think that it's, like I said, it's just word of mouth. It's people seeing, it's people seeing what the changes and this life that, um, other athletes and people in sobriety are having. So it's one athlete, you know, is losing weight or she's becoming stronger or, um, just like starting to, you know, uh, her body image has changed and she's just living this life and people are seeing that and other people in recovery are seeing that and they want what she has. And so they are like, okay, well maybe I can try CrossFit too. Um, and so all that it's taking is, you know, people to just come in and try it. And like, I I think this week alone, like we're going to have like probably three or four new people coming in just from that, just from like, the community is growing and more people are getting involved and people want, people want it. Like they want what, what these other, um, women and men are, are getting from CrossFit. Um, it's just like any other normal person. Like, you know, we, we hear, we hear our friend is smashing in the gym and they love CrossFit and they're talking about it all the time. And people are like, Hey, I want to try that. Like, that sounds cool. Like I want that. Um, and so, you know, like for us, like it's, it's just come down to like, um, the more, the more people are talking about it, the more like it's growing and which is making the community even bigger. And it's just, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And I think it's, it kind of for me anyways, it reminds me a lot of just like, you know, the start of the program is, is laying the foundation. That's probably breaking through the walls. The hardest part for those people of, you know, getting a good foundation. And once they're in that program, like you mentioned to start with, and they're staying in it for months, if not years on end, they become the leaders within that program that other people look up to. And then it's, it's kind of like that quote that, you know, you're the sum of the five people you most hang out with. Well, if you're, if you're now associated with people that are making positive changes themselves, eventually that's some of that's going to trickle down to yourself too. Right. So I think that programs like yours is, is, you know, truly an inspiration of what fitness can change within people's, um, within people's lives. And it's not just, you know, finding this yourself a six pack and, and dropping a couple inches on your pant size. Like there's a lot more to it that, that is being provided at gyms like yourself, like yours or, or other gyms that are running programs like yours um, that people might not look into um, that yeah. kind of gets overlooked. So it's, it's super inspirational what you've been able to accomplish uh, with that already. I kind of want to respect your time. So I only had a couple more questions and I always ask these people, these questions to kind of get people to think a little deeper um, before we wrap up. Um, but to, to kind of look into it a little bit more, from a legacy perspective, if you, mm-hmm. if, um, if you mentioned that you, you know, you've had a lot of time thinking about yourself, um, thinking about what that, va- what values mean a lot to you. Um, and you take on a lot of different titles as a person, what's the legacy you want to leave for if you have kids someday, your kids, or if just 
like what do you want to be known for like what is is it an athlete is it your program is it a combination of all those things or what do you think about when you think about a legacy yeah absolutely um it's something that like that I have been like thinking about is that um with just like stepping away from you know competing and like starting a family and whatever um but yeah it's a lot of it is is a little bit of both um I I do feel like I've built um a legacy for myself um within CrossFit um I I've have been successful in it and I do feel like I could I am at a place where I can walk away from, um, being a competitive athlete and feeling like I, um, you know, made a name for myself and I have something super, super cool to like remember, um, from this time in my life. Um, but I also like the, um, the recovery community and what I've done for that community is, and helping people is, a a big, big passion of mine right now. Um, and so like, that's what I want, um, you know, for me, for my legacy to be that, like I, that I helped people and that I changed people's lives, um, or that like I impacted their life, um, you know, one way or the another. And, uh, you know, for me, I think the best way that I can impact lives is, um, is through, uh, you know, CrossFit St. Helens and, you know, with that becomes like the recovery community and, um, the program that we offer. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on and sharing your story with not only fitness, but where you're looking to go in the future. Cause I think there's a lot of things that you're you know, they're on your horizon. They're going to be transformative for you and for your business and for just CrossFit in general um, and the people inside of your community. Um, just kind of let people know where, where can we find you, read more about kind of your program and, and follow you on social media with what you're doing. Yeah, um, I'm Team Carlene on Instagram um, and then CrossFit St. Helens on Instagram also. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. so much for, for sitting down and chatting today. I know you Absolutely. got a lot of busy things going on at the gym, especially with the, the coaching you take on, as we talked about earlier. Um, so yeah. thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you.